Welcome one and all to Weekend Watchlist, a look at what's screening and streaming brought to you by The Letterboxd Show. I'm Mitchell, she's Mia. Hello! He's Slim. Yellow. And together we'll dig through what's dropping this weekend, last weekend, last month, recent trends on Letterboxd, and we'll also take a peek at our own watchlist during our January break. This show is normally, we promise we are going to get back to 30 minutes. I know everybody's complaining too long. Weekend Watchlist, it's only supposed to be half an hour. I listen to it on my drive. My drive is exactly half an hour. <laughs> Why would you do longer? But we have all three hosts again for this episode, so that means no refunds if we go over. Slim has demanded at least two hours on his 80 for Brady review. <laughs> Just wait until I talk about 80 for Brady, for God's sake. <laughs> Mitchell and Mia, the three of us are back in the studio together for the first time since last year. And for folks listening for the first time, this podcast is a way to help you hear what is coming out and what the heck you should watch next. That is correct, Slim. I... I'm the West Coast editor, prestigious what? title of Letterboxd, and Mitchell here is senior editor. And Slim, we are still not sure how he weaseled his way into Letterboxd, but I think it was because he just kept commenting, are you hiring on all of our socials? <laughs> and, and that did the trick. Finally, oh, we don't were. Don't tell people Finally that we works. Were. Don't tell people that works. We'd <laughs> yeah. be screwed. Uh, but yes, yes, we do our best to share what our community is saying about upcoming movies. So not only will we cover Knock at the Cabin, knock, knock, but we'll also cover 80 for Brady, the movie that is sweeping a certain demographic, and Godland. And from there, we'll dig into your community reviews, tagged weekend watch list on Letterboxd, how our own watch list fared during our time off. And we just might highlight new movies that some folks have seen, especially during Sundance. Do you guys hear that? Do you guys hear that? Is that coming in for you guys? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it's, uh, do you guys hear that? It sounds like a, maybe a, a, knock, no at the, yeah. a knock at the cabin? <laughs> Weird. Huh, I think. You're the knock at the cabin directed by M. Night Shyamalan on 43,000 watch lists. Oh man, we better open out. that door, Mitchell. <laughs> Gotta open the door. M. Night, hello? Hello, Mr. Shyamalan, you are here with a new movie distributing in theaters wide this weekend. The synopsis for your new movie, Knight, who is in my room right now, walking vacationing at a remote cabin. A young girl and her parents are taken hostage by four armed strangers who demand that the family make an unthinkable choice to avert the apocalypse. With limited access to the outside world, the family must decide what they believe before all is lost. Sounds intense. Mia, I know you have seen this new film from M. Night Shyamalan. What are your thoughts on Knock at the Cabin? It's true. I did see the knocking on a sacred cabin. Um <laughs> Oh man, I'm so, I'm really proud of that one. And once you see it, you'll understand. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, yeah, this was, this was an R-rated M. Night, which is wild. Honestly, I thought it was PG-13 the entire time I was watching it. And oh. it probably should have been even. Like old was scarier and it had more graphic scenes. But I ultimately though, I was never bored. I surrendered myself to the silliness. Like the plot is ridiculous and it falls apart if you think about it for more than five seconds. Um, and there are some strange Christian themes <laughs> that really reminded me of like those, you know, like progressive churches that fly pride flags and have little jokey marquees. Like that's kind of what this <laughs> movie is. So ultimately I understand hating it, but I also understand enjoying it. Like, again, as I said, I was, I was never bored. I had a great time. So I'm, I'm comfortably in the middle. Three stars mm, from me. Three stars from Mia. M. Knight. M. Knight. Philly boy. Mitchell, where do you stand on M. Knight? 
That's right. Big Philly, big Philly, man. We got to represent, you know, I mean, I know you're Philly specifically. I'm around there. So we got to big <laughs> tri-state area. Philly yeah, tri-state right area. There. I'm close enough. I'm close <laughs> enough. I've been, I've been in the same buildings that M. Night has been in. I guarantee it. I was a very big fan of like his big kind of early run of like the Sixth Sense through through the village. I really loved those movies. And then like most people, I fell off the wagon with him a little bit. It took me, I know people were hyped about The Visit and Split. I didn't really like those movies, but old really got me back. I love old and I agree with Mia. Like it's interesting. I mean, I haven't seen Knock at the Cabin, but it's interesting that this is, you know, are if me is saying that it doesn't really make sense that it is whereas old pg-13 and like old feels like an r-rated movie to me like that movie mm. is intense um and like very the like contorting scenes and just like the stuff that happens with bodies in that movie it's upsetting but i've watched it many times and i will watch it many more so i'm like i'm fully back on the the m night train so i'm very excited for knock at the cabin what about you philly man I did like old. I had fun with old. I remember my, I took Amanda and my son James to see it. It was a little family outing. So that's why I was curious what the situation is with this being radar because I, James has seen ads for it. And I was actually, this is the first time I've ever had to think about this, but I was like, what if I do try to take my son, my 12 year old son to an R rated movie? Like what are the laws? What are the bylaws in a theater? Would they just like, (laughs) you're allowed to, you can do it. You just can't take him to Is that true? Is that real? Yes, you yeah. can take your kid if you're a guardian, but you can't take them to NC-17, so you can't see Infinity Pool. Yeah. I thought that was like PG-13, or is that just parental guidance suggested for under Yeah, 13? PG-13, I think anybody can go to. We're, bre- we're breaking down yeah. the MPA. They've been waiting to get this answer for their children. Or if you're with somebody who's like over 21, you can go to CNR. That's why when I would see, when my friends and I, who were all, you know, 16, 15, when we saw... Snakes on a plane. We had to convince an older couple who were just there, strangers at the theater, to to buy our tickets for us. We gave them the money to buy our tickets for us and say that they were our guardians, which they lovingly did. And we all went and saw Snakes on a Plane. Weird movie. That's like the the geeky version of paying someone to buy you beer at like at a convenience store. Like, can you just walk in with us to this R rated movie? Hey, we're all. Hey, hey, um, Mister, we're all trying to see Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> Your voice um, cracking you the whole time. To be my dad. <laughs> So Flynn wow. uh, on Letterbox saw also saw Knock at the Cabin. Rupert's performance made me stop saying that's Ron from Harry Potter and start saying that's Redmond from Knock at the Cabin. So Flynn was on the red carpet for this premiere and she asked the star, she talked to all of them. She asked them what their fave M. Night movie is. So let's hear from uh, now friend of the show, Dave Batista. It's Six Sense. Yeah, it's all day long at Six Sense. Yeah, and I, and I say that because I remember watching it and I remember how I reacted to it and I remember the way I felt about it. I remember the way I kind of picked it apart and I remember going back and watching it again feeling kind of the same way and knowing the end but still watching the way the movie was shot, watching the way the performances were and how everything built and how they went back and told the story that led up to the ending. And sorry, I'm like, <laughs> but that's just how much I process this film. That's how much I love this film. Batista, the greatest living professional wrestler turned actor. Easily, oh, 100%. Right? Easily. Easy. Easy. Stuber? My man from Stuber? <laughs> Dave Batista? People might think that's a joke. Stuber's kind of a good movie. <laughs> Love that review, the byline. Kind of a good movie. Love seeing, we need those letterbox stickers with just yeah. like the most lukewarm statements. And then we're like, okay, yeah, I'll watch this. 
<laughs> it's really time to move on to 80 for Brady. I've, I've had enough of this knocking at the cabin. We got to pass that football on over to these, these octogenarians. So 80 for Brady. That is on only 3.4 thousand watch lists. Come on, let's bump those numbers up. Uh, it has a 3.4 average rating as of now, which is higher than Knock at the Cabin, I'll say. Um, and it's coming out wide in theaters, of course. The synopsis is, a quartet of elderly best friends decide to live life to the fullest by taking a wild trip to the Super Bowl 51 to see their hero, Tom Brady, play. That's right. It's a period piece set in <laughs> 2017. <laughs> period piece. I can't believe you just said that. I mean, huge period piece. Now, this is officially, as of breaking news from this morning, Tom Brady has announced his retirement. Mm -hmm. So, 80 for Brady, I think, the movie that broke Tom Brady. Honestly, he can't. <laughs> and we got to give it movie. credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> this movie came out. He said, I can't do it anymore. He said, I, mean, I can never top what has happened last night. <laughs> In theaters. This when, is a man who has avoided time with his family for decades. He has ruined his family for football. Alleged. An 80 for Brady. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> alleged. Allegedly. We cannot Tom, afford a podcast lawsuit right now against the three of us. Slim, you you are of the three of us. You have seen I, yeah. the 80 for Brady. So, I mean, Le and on it, I won't, I'll let you get into it, but four and a half star review I have seen on your letterbox. So tell us There's people doing double takes, Brady. triple takes with their headphones <laughs> on. They're like moving their glasses up and down. They're not even looking at anything, but they're very confused. I had an amazing time last night. King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Packed screening. I got there with like 25 minutes, 20 minutes ahead of the screening. Packed. Everyone there in their seat, ready to go. A little bit of an older crowd, I'll say that. But I think you could probably- I can't, I can't believe You could it. probably guess that. Uh, judging by our low- watch list data and you know the the scuttlebutt for this movie but i i had an amazing time this movie could easily be a dud and you, it just looks like a dud like let's be frank with each other it looks like it's not gonna be fun uh but it was fun i was cracking up it had heart it had great writing i would trust these women with my life these four i see women. the the backdrop on letterbox is a guy fietti appearance he's i didn't know that he was in this movie there's a lot of great cameos in this you know, if this were another comedy, hot mainstream comedy, you'd get like Taika Waititi doing a bit and it would just be like falling flat on Riffing. its face. But you, yeah, he's doing he's doing improv. But in this movie, you do get cameos and it, it just felt great. Like I thought the writing was snappy. The editing was hilarious. There's a few dance numbers. And yeah, I shed a tear. I'll be honest with you. Dance numbers. The dance numbers I, are very intriguing to me. Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was very excited when I saw they released a single recently with... Dolly Parton, Cindy Lauper, what? Debbie Harry, Belinda Carlisle, and Gloria Estefan all on the track. This movie is just bringing in these icons, mm -hmm. these iconic women. And just for, I don't know if it's Tom Brady. I don't know if it's, I feel like one of them, one of them was in it. And then they just brought in <laughs> everybody else because why wouldn't, you know, they're all pals. Yeah. They're all doing, having a fun time. And I'm excited for it. I don't know if there has been a time where I have gone so quickly from having no idea a movie existed to it being <laughs> like at the top of my watch list and when the poster for this first dropped and I thought it was a joke. And then I looked up and it was a real movie and I'm very excited to see it. I'm bummed that I won't be able to see it in a theater, but I will have fun watching it in my apartment, my apartment where it is known as Lady Last Vegas. <laughs> and um, I think it's going to be way better than that. <laughs> I will say, I think this is a Paramount movie. So I, if I had to guess, 
this could be on Paramount Plus in less than 30 days. Let's go, Paramount. Give it to me. <laughs> I just I just want to say that they they reunited all the nine to five girlies for this one. Like Lily Tomlin, yeah. Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, and Dolly Parton for the soundtrack. And that really freaks me out because like the target demo for this cast would be elderly people and gays, but you lose the gay audience by making it about football. So I just, I'm like, (laughs) what is going on here? This doesn't make any sense. I'm afraid. But now, now we know that it's the movie that has destroyed Tom Brady. So (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's breaking down walls and uniting Various groups of people. So what what more could he ask for in a major motion picture in 2023? Uh, Emma left a review. Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, and Sally Field sat down with the president of Paramount and said, quote, we want to make history. And that's what this is. It is. Well said, Emma. It's in the record books. They're going to study this in schools. They're going to put it in the national library. Preserve it. They're going to preserve it in the national library. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's move on to our final big new release that will spotlight Godland from Hleiner Palmason. 20,000 watch list, 3.7 average. This is in theaters. In the late 19th century, a young Danish priest travels to a remote part of Iceland to build a church and photograph its people. But the deeper he goes into the unforgiving landscape, the more he strays from his purpose, the mission, and morality. So I actually did see this one as well in advance. It's probably the best-looking movie I've seen all year. It's lush. It's gorgeous. It takes place in, like, these beautiful Icelandic landscapes. Like, this is one of those movies where I feel like the director is probably an amazing photographer just because of how it looks. But, uh, Mitchell, have you heard of this movie? Because I don't 20,000 watch list, so it feels like it's finally getting a U.S. release. Yeah, I have heard of it. It's definitely been one, like, kind of on the radar. I think uh, Jack told me that it, like, just missed a few categories in our year in review last year. It was doing, like, the festival rounds last year, and it is one of those ones I really love, like, the beginning of a year where there is a bunch of, you know, big kind of stuff, like a knock at the cabin and, like, very, like, populist fare coming out, but then you get these trickles of these very like acclaimed, very cinephile-y movies that are finally getting like releases because they didn't really get, you know, big releases in the US during last year. And so, you know, if you're if you're a cinephile, if you're looking at Knock at the Cab and if you're looking at 80 for Brady, you're like, I don't want any of that fluff. You still got very exciting stuff coming out to check out. What about you, Mia? Well, I I do the lists for award season for Letterboxd, <laughs> so I've been tracking this one, and it won- Inside Scoop. Yeah, Inside Scoop. I mean, it, it won Best Picture at the Chicago International Film Festival, and uh, it also got an award for Best Cinematography. As Slim was saying, um, I've heard great things about its landscape cinematography, which is shot by Maria von Hauswolf. It's in 4x3 also. It looks like, it, it almost is, is shot like a picture frame in a way. Um, so very, very high praise from me for that aspect. Robert Daniels left a review. They do still make movies. Truly amazing work here concerning colonialism and religion's role in the practice and the power of being seen and who is chosen to be seen and whose history is recorded. Wow, we got three Christian films coming out this week. Big week <laughs> for Christianity. <laughs> when Making is it not a, a big week for Christianity when you think about it? You know what, Christianity, it's been getting a short shrift for too long. <laughs> Let's see what's going on uh, on video on demand. So we have a couple releasing. We got Babylon and Megan. 
They <laughs> are now, yeah, yeah. They are now rentable on any major streaming platform. So expect a flood of vids of both depraved people and robots dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Skinamarink also was hitting Shutter as of this episode being released. There was a lot of internet buzz about that movie. And we did get a request from a listener asking, can you folks add a VOD section to like, so that I know what's going to be rentable? I, I looked online. It is like next to impossible to get a list, an accurate list of when major motion pictures are hitting streaming. You like find out the week before pretty much. So I don't yeah. know how often we'll be able to spotlight something like this. I will say that pro and patron members, if you have these movies on your watch list and it hits those services, you get a push notification and an email to, to remind you. So in lieu of or maybe a recurring segment for something like this, maybe think about upgrading to pro or patron. I'll put out the call right now for anybody listening. If you want to make a site that tracks <laughs> when things are coming out on VOD, we will sh- spotlight it every single week. I will shout you out every single week. I will I will comp you a patron subscription oh. if you make a website that that accurately that accurately tracks. Yeah, it has to be accurate. Everything that's coming out on VOD <laughs> on all of the services, including the iTunes and the Amazon. I will comp you. I promise. <laughs> That's binding. It's on a podcast. <laughs> it's a binding legal <laughs> agreement. <laughs> for now, for now, we'll move on. Uh, now, normally, we'd use our next segment to take a look back at the previous week's releases and see what people have been reviewing. You know, spotlight some reviews, tagged weekend watch list. But since it's been a big month, we've been gone for a while. Let's just kind of take a look back at what we've been watching and what the community has been watching as well over this mammoth. Last month, I think Mia and I both attended mm. a little festival called Sundance in a Park City, but Mia and I maybe watched it from home. We did have Brian and Flynn over at Park City. If you want to check out, um, they got some cool videos on the red carpet talking with people. If you want to check those out on our social channels, but... Mia, what were some of the big highlights for you from the films that you watched during Sundance? Ooh, so I managed to fit in about 12 or so features, and my favorites were Beyond Utopia, which is a documentary about North Korean defectors, and The Disappearance of Cher Height, which is about this uh, a feminist from the 70s who kind of faded from the public spotlight, Infinity Pool, which we already know about, and Rye Lane, which is a really, really sweet little rom-com. And here's a review from Lizzie that sums it up nicely. What a fresh take on the classic rom-com and possibly the greatest cameo in the history of rom-com cameos. Oh God, Lizzie, I'm backing you up. This cameo made me squeak and scream in my <laughs> living room. It's, it's worth it just for that almost. So we discussed all of these films and more in our Best in Show Sundance episode if you want a complete rundown. Uh, but for now, let's toss it to Mitchell. What did you like from the fest? Yeah, big. Uh, Rylane was a delight. I was seeing it kind of blowing up. It wasn't really on my radar. And then I was seeing it blowing up in the, the letterbox slack with everybody watching it and loving it. So I checked it out and it is wonderful. I agree with the cameo. I hope that it's um, one of those ones that stays People have been good so far about mm-hmm. staying quiet about what who the cameo is. And so I hope that that maintains because it was wonderful. I like the thing too is that I knew there was a cameo going into it. I had everybody talking about it. And then I was just so won over by the charm of the movie that I forgot that there even was a cameo allegedly in the movie. And then it shows up and I was like, holy camoly. <laughs> um, and it's it's just a treat. And Rye Lane is a film that people will be able to see very soon. It comes out in theaters in the UK in the middle of March and then on Hulu in the US and elsewhere at the end of March. So people will be able to check that out soon. 
I, like you, I love Beyond Utopia. I think that doc is absolutely incredible. I hope it gets a really good, solid release and people can check it out. Um, my two favorites from the fest were You Hurt My Feelings, the new Nicole Hall of Center movie with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, which is some of the hardest that I've laughed in a very long time. And um, it also, it's about a woman who's a writer who discovers that her husband uh, does not like her new book. And as a, somebody who writes uh, predominantly for a living, it, that's like such a, like, it hits to the core. Um, and it made me question whether uh, my partner actually does like anything that I write. So that's just a fun thing to have have in my mind for, for the rest of my life um, if there are lies that are all over my existence. But my favorite, my favorite movie of the festival was Passages, the new movie from Ira Sachs, which is about a love triangle between uh, Franz Rogowski, Ben Wishaw, and Adele XR Chapulos. And it is very messy and fun and wild and just very emotional. Um, I'll spotlight a review from Cody Derricks for Passages, who says that it is ideal queer cinema and that it skips unnecessary conversations about identity and relationship status that would definitely make up most of this movie if it was made by or about straight people. Messy and complicated and very sexy. I need every outfit Franz Rogowski wears, which I 100% agree with. I want to wear every single thing that that man wears in that movie. Slim, you were not attending Sundance. No, I was not. You were not. too busy going for 80, 80 for Brady again and again. <laughs> Checking that out. What, what have you been catching up with? I said no to hanging out with Robert Redford on the slopes. And I said, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to stay home and watch some filth. For, for the majority of my stay during Sundance. Um, I will spotlight Megan. Megan is a movie that I went to see with the family in theaters. We had an amazing time. I'm just kind of glad that that was PG-13. Like, I love that. I was thinking back to some of my intro to, like, horror or horror-ish movies. And I think one of my earliest memories is Event Horizon. Was Event Horizon R or PG-13? Maybe I snuck that's, into That's that. a pretty hard R, buddy. Is it? Yeah, hmm. it's sexy. My memories are failing me. It is very sexy, very gory. That was, that was like very the Hellraiser for, for me growing up. But I was trying to think back of like, what were some of my formative memories? So I'm glad that James, my son, has like a formative memory of having fun seeing a, a goofy movie like Megan. I will spotlight one review, not super positive for Megan, uh, comes from Mitchell, who's on the show right now. <laughs> Some fun spurts, but kept wishing it would go harder. If you're going to make this premise, just effing go for it, man. You know what? I think Mitchell has some good points there. It's, <laughs> it's. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I I got swept up in Megan Fever. I was very excited for it. And I wish that I feel like it just should have really gone for it. Like the dancing, the dancing bit, it's in the trailer. It's just one little moment. Have her dance more. Mm -hmm. Like, have her be a little weirdo. Like, why Why are we getting more of that stuff? <laughs> the stuff where she was just being a real Looney Tune, I was totally on board for her, having a blast, but there's there's not enough of it. Come on, Megan. Maybe Megan too, though. I'm still primed. They see, they saw, they saw, they already made the movie when people were, when it was going viral, people were losing their minds over the dancing and everything. So I think they know what to do for the next one. How much of Mitchell's negative thoughts is maybe revenge for the first line of my review? Chucky, retire you ginger POS. We don't need to talk about that. I don't, if this podcast is going to continue, I think that we just need to put we'll that move in the closet on. We'll and move forget on. it never we're, we're rapidly running out of time. But one, I, I am interested to spotlight, this isn't a troll. I did see Banshees of Inisherin, finally. So I think maybe I had the Megan reaction that Mitchell had, where the hype machine was nuclear, nuclear hype for this movie. 
Um, so I did see it and I thought it was gorgeous. I thought the acting was good, but literally the, the entire story just kind of, I couldn't connect with it all. And I know it's like, yeah, it's a fable, slam it, it's a fable. But <laughs> that still didn't really work for me. Um, so I thought that I think I might be the only person, maybe outside, I don't know if there's a brave host on the show that maybe also didn't super duper love it that would want to speak up and, and stand by my <laughs> side. Um, but that's just how I felt about Banshees. I liked it. I liked it. Mia uh, loves it. Well, I said like. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I do like, I gave it four stars and a heart. Like I like it. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I'm not like, this is a masterpiece. Nobody has to see it right now. But, you know, Colin Farrell's a lead. Like, what am I going to do? Not like it? What? Right. True. <laughs> but, I thought it was okay. Yeah. Thank you. The bravery right now is in- deeply We're inspiring We're very brave for being lukewarm. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's move on. Normally, we spotlight the Letterbox top 50 of the year. Still pretty early in the year. So I thought it might be interesting for us to pull some data. I was doing SQL queries on the computer today. I was tap tapping away. What are the most watch-listed movies of the last week? You know, it's a weekend watch list. Maybe we should start talking about the Billboard, like, top 10. What are the hot movies getting watch-listed? So I have the list. I didn't put it in our little doc here. It's, it's secret right now. But, Mia, do you have any guesses as to what could potentially be in this top 10 or even the top five most watch-listed movies of the last week? Most watch-listed in the last week. I would have to guess two Leslie is in there. Wrong. No. Really? Not in the top 10. Oh! <gasps> Wow, there are not as many awards pundits as I thought there were out there. Wow. Okay, Mitchell, you you guessed then. I'm I'm shook up. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that for me, you got to think about like what have there been any trailers or any like news like dropping for specific things. So I wonder if maybe, and I don't know. This is very recent, so I don't know when we got the when we got this data. But I know the Batman officially got titled <gasps> the Batman Part two, 2 or the Batman Part 2 or whatever. So I'm, my guess would maybe be maybe that got added in there. Also wrong, sadly. Slim, what are we doing? I mean, this is tough God. because we've never actually thought of, you know, on this podcast, what are the most popular watch list of movies happening? So I think it's it'll be an interesting little experiment to see what's on this list. And we can kind of gauge to see how movies stick around or new ones jump give in there. One, give one hint. Give one, one hint, hint first. One hint for the number one. <laughs> I, gotta, I can't even say it. I was going to say something, I'd get bleeped. Um, but I, let me let me go back. Let's start with the top five, and then I'll, I'll drift okay. into what else made the, the others. So number five, and this is probably related to your comments about award season, All Quiet on the Western Front uh, is our number big, five big BAFTA, in the top Big Oscar. 10. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of nominations. Uh, so I think you could say is it, the Oscar fever has hit for a few of these. Uh, After Sun is number four. 30,000, by the way, After Sun is on, just got added to 30,000 watch lists in the last week. Whoa. So that's pretty nutty. Big Paul Meskel. As we, as we mentioned earlier, Knock of the Cabin is on 40 ish thousand. So After Sun got added to 30 in just the last seven days. Number three, maybe Gemma's favorite movie of the year, Tar. <gasps> Tar. So the big numbers is continuing for this movie. Number two, we mentioned it just got added to VOD, Babylon. Uh, 35,000 watch lists in the last seven days. And I was going to recite someone's tweet, but it might be too vulgar for this podcast. But the number one movie of the last seven days added to the most watch list at 42,000 is Infinity Pool. Ah, see, that makes sense. So the buzz, the buzz circulating. It's all because of my tweet, honestly. <laughs> Didn't you get, well, I think we don't have to get into the details, no. but you might've gotten blocked by like a famous celeb after that tweet went out, right? Doug Benson. Gonna, <laughs> I wasn't going to name him, but okay. 
<laughs> Doug Benson, I don't know what the deal is, buddy, but we're not even... Doug, not only that, but Doug Benson quote tweeted your tweet about Infinity Pool. And Who tweeted me? He had enough. He blocked you after... I've never even seen that before. I, I don't even know what the deal is, Doug. I don't, you know, I hear Doug loves movies. Apparently not. <laughs> Doug doesn't love them enough because he, my praising tweet for Infinity Pool, quote tweeted by Doug Benson, who I've never interacted with. I don't even follow. Whatever. I don't care about a Doug Benson. <laughs> and this son of a gun, he says, he says, I'm not into it, all caps. And then he blocks me. What's going You're, on, You didn't Doug? even make the movie. You just were writing a, do it. a social review. I don't understand review. what's going on, Doug. If anybody has a line to Doug and they want to get an answer, I feel like Colin Farrell and Banshees of Inisherin right now. <laughs> this man just... This man just ghosted me out of nowhere. Social media me ghost out. job. The biggest beef that's ever happened right now. We can watch this versus Doug Loves Movies. Let's go. Oh my God, the collab potential is real. So rounding out the top 10, the menu is number 10. Triangle of Sadness, number nine. The Fablemans, believe it or not. Puss in Boots. Woo. And then number six, the Banshees of Inisherin. Wait, I have to say something about Puss in Boots really, really quick. When I was walking out of Knock at the Cabin last night, there were all these people talking about how great Puss in Boots was. Like that was the takeaway after Knock at the Cabin. I was walking out and there was just like a bunch of people like as we were all walking out, like Puss in Boots was great. And I think that's really funny that that was what everybody was talking about after Knock at the Cabin. Did DreamWorks pay some actors to walk out of the theater and just talk about? I joined in. I was like, they were strangers. I was like, I love Puss in Boots, guys. I'm not even kidding. Like, <laughs> making friends. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see how much, if at all, that list changes next week. If it doesn't change so much, we probably won't do it weekly, but let's let's find out next week. For more. Every week, Tar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tar is probably never going to leave this list for the rest of the year. Good. Okay, so as we know, we took the entire month of January off to reset and recharge Plus, January, historically, is not a gigantic month for new releases unless uh, you're making a Christian film. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. So we thought it would be fun to look at our own stats pages to see how our watch lists fared. How many did each host add? How many did they watch? And we can chat about how we think the gear has gone so far for each of us in terms of watching movies. Sounds like a plan. I'll start with, I'll check out the stats for, for Mia <gasps> and see... Mia, how many films? Let's let's go through right now. Let's check it out. Mia, so, so far through January, Mia has watched three films that were on your watch list. You have added nine. Oh. So you're, you're, you're kind of going in the, the wrong direction. Um, <laughs> or right or direction, right, depending right who direction. you're asking. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this. We'll see what my numbers look like. But Mia, how watch list wise, how have you been feeling about January? Do you know what those three films were that were on your watch list that you marked off of them? I I literally have no idea what they could be. <laughs> Southland Tales. There you go. <laughs> oh, Southland. What was your rating for, or did you like it? Did you give it a heart? Yes, Southland I did. Tales? I gave it four stars and a heart, baby. I'm a Southland Tales apologist. They sing a killer's <laughs> song in it. Like I haven't seen that. I think I saw that in theaters and I... I might have never wanted to watch a movie again after that movie. I don't that's, know. I and that's so fair. That is absolutely fair. This movie's ridiculous. But maybe give another shot. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe it's time. So I, I have Mitchell's stats finally loaded. Mitchell watched 26 movies on their watch list. And do, would you want to guess, Mitchell, how many you added to your watch list? Um, 
I don't know, man. 50? <laughs> no, a little too low. You added 72 movies to your watch list. So making gains. That sounds about right. That big sounds about gains right. on the watch list this year so far. You also watched Popstar twice. I did watch Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping twice. Those are both rewatches. Um, I might, I've, I've considered watching it again. It's, it is a nice movie and it feels good to watch. Um, I don't know what I've been going through. I've probably been going through some stuff. And <laughs> there was just moments where I was like, I don't know, it just feels right to put on, to put on Popstar. It's a late at night. I don't feel like mm-hmm. watching anything that's going to require effort for me. Let's throw that. I watched it. I watched it the other day. I'll watch it again now. It feels good to laugh. <laughs> it's extremely rewatchable. I've seen it like maybe ten times. So I'm just saying. See? I'm a fellow. Exactly. I'm a fellow poppy. No, <laughs> exactly. no, no. Sorry. I'm a fellow style boy. A style boy. Style <laughs> boys for life. Exactly. And I've yeah. Looking looking at my own stats right now, I've watched 64 films this year. I'm averaging 12.8 uh, per week. Wow. Which, um, is a lot. <laughs> That's, is that more than last year? That feels like a lot. Probably. I mean, I feel like Sundance. like Mia. I the, the Sundance thing. I watched like twenty five movies during Sundance because I was just trying to cram them all in there as much as I could. So I think that that's that's skewing my numbers a little bit. Uh, we'll see how we'll see how things go in in February um, and if those those numbers track any differently. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mia, why don't you why don't you dive into slim stats and see what, what this dun, dun, man has dun. going on? Ooh, let's see what's going on in there. Click. Six films by Tim Heidecker so far. <laughs> six films starring it. Tim Heidecker. <laughs> slim. It is the I've first month of the year. The first month of the year. And I don't even know if that's gonna change. Every day I see another rewatch of an on cinema special, and I'm like, this son of a <laughs> This man is going to have Tim Heidegger. It's the whole year. It's going to be the, the same top. every year for the rest of my life as I lock movies on Letterboxd. But, okay, also you have a nice seven average per week. That's a movie per Ooh. day. That's healthy. Love that. Um, well, I, I feel about the, the same man. That's healthy. I, I, I forgot. No judgment. This is a judgment free zone. Judgment free zone. It's judgment free. I don't know how I feel. I don't know yeah. if I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also, oh, it looks like Slim, you watched opening night for the first time? The 1977 <laughs> film? <laughs> a ploy, yes. What, I could, what could that have possibly been for? for? <laughs> <laughs> Mia, you were a fantastic guest on my other podcast, 70 Millimeter. We watched opening night. We talked about it. had a great time watching that movie. I gave it four and a half stars. Casavetes. Same as 80 for Brady. It's <laughs> the same entertainment quality for me as the viewer. Interesting, interesting yes. how many people here have been on Slim's other podcast. Listen, we have to move know. on. Do you have my yeah, watch list data? Yes, Mia, we ready for the watch list data. Dog, feeling a little Doug yeah. Benson <laughs> kind of vibe in the, in the chat right now in the podcast. Right <laughs> okay, here's your watch list data. You have watched 12. So congrats. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Okay. That's pretty good. And then, yeah. but then you added 27. No, is that real? I can't yes. believe I added that many to my watch list. What am I doing? Welcome to the club. Dang, we're gonna get that watch list to two K in no time. Oh my god, I have one hundred and seventy three. I'm I'm up. This, I need to I need to fix something here. I need to do something about this. <laughs> I don't know how I feel. 
All right, we'll check back in later in the year to see how our watch lists have been going. Let us know how your watch lists have been going. We talked about tagging reviews, weekend watch lists to potentially get spotlighted in the show. And this is that particular segment before we wrap up. Chantal left a review for Phantom Thread. Unexpected sexy mushroom content. That's true. What a line. Damn what right. What a line. Same with the beguiled. The there was a trend are sexy there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They're shaped kind of funny. Something uh, to think about. Uh, we have a review from Robert of Infinity Pool, our most watch listed, our most watch listed film. Um, my intrusive thoughts also sound like Mia Goth. Mm, Her voice Joe. in that movie is unreal. James. Or just, J- James. I need to see this damn yeah, movie. <laughs> Imagine Mia Goth coming on the Letterbox show. Mia. Going through her four Mia faves. Mia? Mia on Mia. Whoa. Can we? Round I mean, table. Holy something cow. To think about. Something some to PR, think about. PR folks on the horn about this. Thanks so much for listening to Weekend Watchlist brought to you by the Letterboxd Show. You can follow Mia, Mitchell, Slim, that's me, and our HQ page on Letterboxd using the links in our episode notes. If you had the time, please consider rating the podcast on Spotify or leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps spread the word about this show. Thanks to our crew and thanks to Letterboxd member Trent Walton for the theme music, Eyes On. Thanks to Jack for the facts and Sophie Shin for the episode transcript and to you for listening. Weekend Watchlist is a Tape Deck production. This, this, this is a Tape Deck podcast. Oh.